This is Bulls Beat on USF Bulls Unlimited. Each weekday morning, Bulls Beat is your stop for exclusive interviews, highlights, and the very latest on all sports at the University of South Florida. With today's show, here's your host, Derek Sharp. And we indeed are back on the beat. It has been a week. Told you we'd be taking some time with the bye and, well, the opportunity to head out of town with my wife and our two boys, Sherman and Franklin, the dogs enjoyed the North Georgia mountain air and our cabin life in Helen, Georgia. I would highly recommend it. Helen is a city that's sort of geared around German tradition, so a lot of schnitzel to be had. A little bit touristy, but what we did was the right thing, which was stay outside of town and drive in about 10 minutes. Happened upon a few establishments in the Cleveland, Georgia area. It was so much fun, and the weather was, well, why you take a break? Although I understand it was pretty cold here, but it got down into the upper 20s there. And yeah, my crazy self still did some runs. So if you want to actually see some cool shots of our vacation, head to my Twitter page, at Derek Sharp, D-A-R-E-K-S-H-A-R-P. But enough of that. The reason you're tuned in is to check out Bulls News, and we got plenty for you. And yes, since we have not done a show in a week, there will be a little bit of catching up to do. Although there were not many games to catch you up on, there was certainly some news, namely the injury announcement with Gary Bohan, and of course, the Friday before last, we gave you both centers on the men's and women's basketball teams as part of our interviews we gathered up during the photo shoot today. We'll give you the man expected to be the starting point guard for Brian Gregory's squad, that is Tyler Harris, very good guy to talk to. You'll hear him in our second segment. Do a lot of conference stuff when it comes to soccer. We will tell you what volleyball did the last two matches on the road. Unfortunately, the Bulls are on a little bit of a downswing in their season right now. And we'll also tell you exactly, as I hinted at, what women's soccer and men's soccer are up to. And if you follow me on Twitter, I will explain why the loss suffered by the women's team yesterday, which drops them out of contention for the regular season title, meaning they will not host the conference tournament. They will be going to Orlando. I will explain why dropping all the way to the number three seed might be better than being the two seed. In fact, we'll do that in this segment. And in our second block of Bulls Beat, we'll tell you about men's soccer, which fell to the first place SMU side over the weekend. And we'll give you some volleyball stuff as well as tennis, golf, a lot happening. But yes, we will mention the Gary Bohannon injury news, even though it was almost a week ago. Certainly not going to not mention it on Bulls Beat. He is out for the season, needing that shoulder surgery. Coach Scott yet to speak about it publicly, but remember we carry his press conference live. There was not one during the bye, so that'll be on Tuesday. You'll get to hear what he has to say. Of course, one of many, but probably the most serious injury because he was clearly a leader on the team and was just starting to get into a swing, as you know, and a nice little groove against a two-lane team, which turns out is continuing to do pretty well, by the way. But Bohannon ended up injuring himself after leading two touchdown drives. In two and a half games, he had passed for more than 500 yards, six touchdowns, and no interceptions, and had run for 250 yards, including 117 against Cincinnati. So he joins Donovan Jennings, along with emerging defensive tackle Rashad Chaney, wide receiver Ajoa Joe, who we really never got to see full-on this year, and a backup linebacker, Brian Norris, as being Bulls that are out for the season, along with Kelly Joyner, who's practically been out for the season. He's just returning. Antonio Greer has missed a couple games. We anticipate him back this week. We're not going to run them all down for you, but man, oh man, DJ Gordon with that concussion suffered two Wednesdays ago, and Jonathan Ross with the freak hand injury. 
Day-Day Evans out for a few games. So I don't know how much of an injury update as far as everybody goes that Coach Scott will be able to provide on Tuesday, but I'm sure that'll be a big part of discussing what went on during the bye week. Hopefully some returning to health took place, but unfortunately the quarterback, Gary Bohannon, not part of that. So right now Trey Marsh is your starter. Byron Brown, the true freshman, seemingly the backup, and I'm sure that's something that the coach will discuss. His press conference scheduled for late in the 11 a.m. hour on Tuesday. We always carry it for you live on USF Bulls Unlimited. Also on Bulls Unlimited, we, of course, hit the air two hours before kickoff for every football broadcast, and that means this week we'll be on the air in the morning as the six-day window was implemented for several conference games, including the Bulls at Houston, and it'll be a noon start. That means 11 a.m. body clock time for the people there in Texas, but noon for us, I would imagine, I would reckon. Got to use the Texas language, but that'll be a 10 a.m. pregame for you as the Bulls get going against the Houston Cougars. We'll give you a full recap of what Houston did at the end of the hour in around the American, but what they, long story short, did was very impressive against Navy and staying in contention for the conference championship with a 38-20 win. And one of these days, the Bulls will not go up against an impressive quarterback, but Clayton Toon threw for five touchdowns in that game. Again, more details coming up at the end of the hour. The noon kick is on ESPN2, so that's pretty cool national coverage. And if you're wondering, the Bulls kind of got the better treatment than SMU Tulsa, which got pushed to ESPN Plus for 3.30. So that was kind of the other alternative. The Bulls get the better TV block with the noon ESPN2 situation, but of course, you're going to record it on TV and just listen to it live on USF Bulls Unlimited. That's understood. To women's soccer now, and speaking of listening, I was Kevin Erlinson, who definitely has more soccer knowledge than me, did a great job on the play-by-play. It would end up being the match that the Bulls won to stay in contention for hosting the conference tournament, but then what happened on Sunday took them out of contention. Before we get to that, yeah, let's listen to both goals that the Bulls scored against Temple, as called by Kevin. This was on senior night, Thursday night. Bassett undercuts it, keeps it moving forward. Then she ran into Anderson, but Roberts cleans up. Inside only finds David. It's poked away from her. Here's Thurton. Makes a nice little touch. Kara Hahn cuts it back to Thurton! Serena Thurton with a fine finish. And the Bulls finally have their lead. Well, that was a follow the bouncing ball sequence. Just pinging around. Roberts had the initial passing attempt. It hit about three different players. Popped free for Thurton. She made a really nice touch pass for Hahn. Hahn returned it right back to her on the cutback. And Thurton from 10 yards out made no mistake. Burns could not move. Sarita Thurton opens the scoring with her second goal of the season in the 31st minute. Bassett, another spread ball. She's done that all night. She's going to find Mark Varson once more down the left-hand side. Striding onto it. Closed down by Wallace. Cuts it back root into the box. Left foot cross. Bounces free Muno Gonzalez. Edge of the area. Takes a crack. And it's in! Well, it was straight down the throat. Burns had either took a deflection or she didn't see it the way she reacted. I think she was screened by two of her defenders. Rosalia Munio Gonzalez, a howitzer, right down the throat of the Temple goal, and the Bulls lead 2-0. Man, he is way better at play-by-play than me. That's it, Kevin. That was your last shot. No, it's great to have him as part of our roster. And there's going to be some situations coming up in a couple of weeks. 
in and around soccer and volleyball. We'll get there in just a second as far as the schedule goes. But that was a 2 nothing win and a dominant 25-2 to shot count. You'd figure the Bulls would have a big shot count as Temple came in as one of the lowest scoring teams in the entire country. And once the Bulls got that first goal, you figured a win was in line. So UCF also won last Thursday night, meaning that the Bulls were still a point behind UCF going into Sunday. Now what was put out by the league at the time, and maybe I should have just kept my mouth shut and not done any work, but I was doing a little work from the cabin here and there. I noticed that it was put out that the Bulls had clinched with that win Thursday a top two seed, in other words, a first round bye. And I think the league, and in fact, I know because I talked to them and I made the same mistake, made the mistake of just looking at the teams that were going into Thursday right behind the Bulls, the ones, namely Memphis and East Carolina, that could have still caught up to the Bulls and had the same amount of points at the end of it all. You get three points for a win, one for a tie, and of course, none for a loss. And that the Bulls, even though Memphis and East Carolina could have caught them, would have won that tiebreaker regardless because they beat both of those teams. But what got missed was Cincinnati, which beat Houston on Thursday night to stay within six points of the Bulls. Well, with two matches left, if you beat the Bulls, if you're Cincinnati, and then turn around and win your finale against East Carolina while the Bulls possibly lose another one to, oh yeah, UCF, then you could still end up as the number two seed. So the Bulls indeed did not clinch a top two spot and still have not because they indeed lost to the Bearcats, as you know, on Sunday, one nothing. What happened early in the season several times, one too many times, it happened a couple. Sidney Martinez, the outstanding goalkeeper for the Bulls, having issues clearing the ball out of her own penalty box. It really hurt them in a couple of losses, but it had been a couple of months. In fact, this was the goal that came to mind. Don't worry, it won't be a long clip, but just an example of how long it had been since the Bulls were really in a bad part of their season. This was back on August the 28th. Again, a press by Mary back to Martinez, and she knocks it into her own net. Off of Sonis, and the goal that you thought would come just did. What a mistake by Martinez. She had two choices. Crush the ball up the field or slot it off to the right side, and that was the wrong decision. And then FAU scored at the very end. That was one of the two, what you'd call really gut-wrenching losses, the other one being to an American University team that, by the way, still has only one other win all season long. But that was in the past. The Bulls were 3-6, and six, struggling. They had won five in a row, including Thursday night. However, Cincinnati had not gotten beat at home all year. Bearcats came in with a 6-0-2 home record, six ties overall, and a tie would have been just fine if you're the Bulls because not only do you lock up that second spot, but you stay within range regardless of what happens to UCF on Sunday against Houston, you know that a win in the Warren I-4 is going to get you the hosting rights and the regular season championship. All of that's on the table if you just tie Cincinnati. If you're wondering, a win wouldn't have made any difference because UCF beat Houston the Bulls either way. Whether they were one point behind UCF after yesterday or three points behind, they would have still had to beat the Knights. But now it really doesn't matter when it comes to that because the Bulls lost to Cincinnati. And it was a pretty much identical goal. Brandy Thompson steps in the way of a Sydney Martinez would-be clearing pass and knocks it basically right over her head and into the net. But it happened less than three minutes in. Bulls had plenty of time to get that goal to even things up. 
and could only get off seven shots. Cincinnati was really clogging up the flanks. The Bulls could not get anything served in from the side. Their only shot on goal was midway through the first half off a corner kick, a great shot by Vivian Bissett, but it was saved by Anna Rexford. Well-earned win for Cincinnati, which, yes, can still catch the Bulls. If Cincinnati beats East Carolina this Thursday and the Bulls lose to UCF, they will be the third seed. And why did I say on Twitter, maybe you would take that over the two seed? There's just one reason. I think you want to avoid having to play Memphis in the conference semifinals. Only one team, the conference tournament champion, is going to make it to the NCAA tournament. So you don't want to have to play a surging Memphis team, in my opinion. Well, if the Bulls are the three seed, we know who the two seed would be in that scenario. It's Cincinnati. Yes, the Bulls would have to play an extra game, but it would be at home as the three seed hosting the six seed. And by the way, we'll talk more about this at the end of the hour, but the teams for the conference tournament are already set. Based on SMU yesterday beating Tulsa and Houston losing, SMU and Tulsa are tied for the sixth and final spot in the conference, and Houston is three points behind. But Tulsa doesn't play another game. SMU just beat them, so SMU has the head-to-head. And even if Houston wins its last game and SMU loses, the Mustangs win that tiebreaker. So we know who the six teams are going to be. The two teams from Florida, obviously, Cincinnati, Memphis, East Carolina, and SMU. But what, in my opinion, you want to do is not have to play Memphis in the semifinals. So being the three seed would mean an extra game, but you would end up going against Cincinnati in the semifinals, assuming you win your first game, while UCF would have to be the team to play Memphis. We'll talk more about this, obviously, as we get closer to Thursday's Warren I-4, which is meaningless for UCF. Yeah, right. Try convincing anybody of that when the Warren I-4 kicks off on Thursday night. But again, only the American tournament winner is going to make it to the NCAA. So as disappointing as yesterday was, no one's going to remember it if the Bulls end up winning the conference tournament, which they were going to have to do anyway. The only change is now we know it won't be in Tampa. It will be in Orlando. And by the way, yours truly will be there. In fact, we'll probably be getting a hotel room there because the American Women's Conference Tournament semifinals are the day after the men's team plays at UCF to end the regular season. What is the latest on the men's squad, which has three matches left, by the way? I'll also tell you what volleyball did this weekend, and you'll hear my conversation with Tyler Harris, point guard for the men's basketball squad. We are two weeks away from the tip-off of the season. Can you believe it? Looking forward to that, and hope you're looking forward to more of Bulls Beat, which continues. Back to the beat. Bulls Beat continues with Derek Sharp. Could have spent a lot more time on the women's soccer scenario, obviously, but we'll make sure it's fully covered leading up to Thursday's kickoff. Again, that'll be the end of the regular season. There is a way if the Bulls, you know, beat UCF, They'll be the number two seed, a tie. They'll be the number two seed. They cannot be the number one seed. Would get that first round by and not have to play Memphis. It involves Cincinnati having to win. We'll give you all the scenarios, but there's still time between now and Thursday night's end of the regular season. There are three matches left for the men, and after their loss to a very, very good SMU team, one that leads the league over the weekend, the Bulls are still in the top six in the conference. We keep mentioning top six because that's how many teams make the conference tournament. It is going to be a pretty pivotal week because they have their makeup match. This was the one that was supposed to happen the Friday of Hurricane Ian week in Charlotte. The Charlotte 49ers at one point were 7-0 and and the highest ranked team in the league. Right now, they are not in the top six, but a win over the Bulls 
would put them above USF. Here's how the standings look. Bulls are tied for fifth with UCF, which beat Charlotte in an upset over the weekend. That's the good news. They're in the top six. The bad news is top four is going to be tough to ascend to. Top four has various advantages over just getting in with those fifth or sixth spots. If you're the number one seed, big advantage you get to host. If you're the number two seed, you get a first round bye. If you're the three and the four, you don't get the bye, but you get to host your first round match. So problem is there's four points now between the Bulls and three teams tied for second with 13 points. Bulls are on nine points. Their loss to SMU on Friday night was their first in conference play, so technically their record is 2-1-3. and three. And I've been saying all along, 13 points get you in. The Bulls are on nine points, so a win and a tie in their last three games would do the trick. Trust me, a tie tomorrow night against Charlotte would be great. It would keep the Bulls ahead of the 49ers and then set them up for their last two games, home against Memphis on Friday. Tigers are one of those teams tied for second, along with Tulsa and FIU. SMU, rightfully, is in first place. Bulls lost to the Mustangs 3-1. They got a goal early did the host Mustangs, but Ashmere Spengler scored on a spectacular left-footed shot, a bender with about 18 minutes to go in the first half, and the Bulls were tied. But SMU scored a few minutes later, and frankly dominated. It was 2-1 at halftime. You think, of course, if you're USF, you've got to get that tying goal. They still got outshot 10-2 in the second half, did the Bulls, 17-7 for the game. Still, it stayed 2-1, to so within range for the Bulls until SMU got the put-away goal with about seven minutes left. So at Charlotte tomorrow in the makeup game, three days later they'll be playing host to Memphis, and then next week wrapping it up at UCF. Always seems to come down to the Bulls or Memphis, but... This year, it might come down to the Bulls or UCF. And again, we'll talk more on tomorrow's program specifically about the 49ers, what the situation is, and all the scenarios within the conference. Now, the latest in my series of interviews with members of the basketball squads. We started it off a couple weeks back with Elena Chinecki of the women's team, of course, preseason conference player of the year. And while we're playing a little catch-up, how about... Chinecki being named one of the 20 watchlist candidates for the Ann Myers Drysdale Award given to the best shooting guard in the country. Then a couple Fridays back, it was both centers. Now let's go back to the backcourt on the men's side with a pretty exciting transfer from Memphis. The guy that I was looking forward to talking to, Tyler Harris, is now a USF Bull. And uh, I want you to speak on it here because I heard Br- Brian Gregory say that he thought that you were impressed with kind of how the Bulls do things. What was part of your decision-making for coming down here? Mm-hmm. I mean, I always liked the coach, coach BG and the way that they did things, like he said, the way he always holds his, his players accountable, the way he's always like a good coach's player. I see him get on his players. I see him laughing and joking with his players at the same time. And, man, since I've been here, he's been a great guy. He's been everything that I thought he would be. One thing he did notice about you, he said he, he can tell you've been well coached. I'm sure it started off in high school. Speak about like some influences when it comes to that for you. Oh, no doubt, man. Um, I'm always a student of a game. Like basically, I know the coaches know everything. And basically, I feel like I don't know nothing. But even though I do know a little something, I'm always <laughs> listening to what the coach got to say. You know, I'm never right. So I'm just go go with their way, man. That's the easiest way to be. I think you do know a little something. 12th most points in a career in Tennessee basketball history in high school. Uh, were you always a, a scorer? I'm guessing so. But just tell 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 me when you started to develop that knack, you know? Um, I would say like around ninth grade, summertime, I was playing with Team Thad. I was playing up. And uh, that's when I kind of started scoring a lot, and I kind of blew up with my basketball image. 
And that's when I say things took off. And since then, you know, I was averaging like more than like 26 points a game. <laughs> I noticed that. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, Memphis guy, and then you went to Iowa State and came back. Uh, was it difficult to, to leave mm -hmm. originally? And I guess mm -hmm. maybe not as difficult this time? Um, yeah, if it was difficult at first to leave for sure. I mean, you know, always leaving home, you know, leaving your fam. You know, it was very tough. But, you know, now, like I'm older now, it's more of a business type thing. Right. So it wasn't that hard for me to leave home. It's a very important question because anytime I hear about uh, Memphis, there's, there's, I mean, so many barbecue spots since you mm -hmm. grew up there because I mm -hmm. know I'm going to be going there with women's mm -hmm. basketball. Tell me where to go. I would say you should go to Rendezvous. Rendezvous. Tell me yeah. more. I like Corky's. No, um, no, I mean, tell me more about Rendezvous. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, so <laughs> Rendezvous is like a, it's like an old school type restaurant. It's downtown. It's very big. It's like two floors, but it fits a whole lot of people. And man, they grill their food like these big grills. It just just take home cook home cook feeling for sure, man. It's just it's right. great. I'm sure anything barbecue is good, but what do, what are your sides to go to? Because I'm 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 a collard greens um, guy. I'm a mac salad guy. I can go anyway, but those are my two. For favorites. sure, I like beans. For sure, beans, and I also like macaroni a lot too with my barbecue too. All right. Well, listen, yeah. I'm not gonna give away any uh, favoritism as far as Tampa, but off the air, I'll tell you what. Look for now. As far as you on the court, mm -hmm. uh, are you gonna be are you gonna be the one? Do you think mm -hmm. you're gonna be uh, handling one two guard duties? What yeah, do you think's gonna sure happen? Yeah, for sure I'm gonna be one two primarily one though. What do you think as far as the guys you have to work with? Because you know you can mm -hmm. shoot the ball, but yes. you got some other guys to, to pass it off to. Oh yeah, no doubt. Um, I'm very impressed with the way our freshman uh, Ryan Conway has been playing. Hmm. I feel like he's gonna be a big time scorer for us, big time knockdown shooter. And uh, playing with guys like Selden, Keyshawn, you know, Big Russ, Corey, I feel like we have a lot of pieces. Like, in practice, everything's been coming together good. We've been playing together. And, man, guys have been stepping up. And we put in the work all summer. I mean, we really had no off days, really. Everybody came in to put in work. Even the off days, guys were coming in, you know, putting in hours. It seems like you've got that leadership. Obviously, you've got mm -hmm. the, the vocal skills, but on the court as well. Yeah. Uh, are, are, are you – I'm not going to say uncomfortable, but are you ready mm -hmm. in a brand-new team to be that mm -hmm. vocal leader? Yes, I'm ready for sure. And, uh, my teammates ready for me as well. You know, they always tell me, you know, like when I first got here, you know, I was new and quiet and stuff, and they always told me they need, they'll need need me to lead you know, I've been there and done that. So ever since then, you know, I have always tried to be lead by example, being vocal, being vocal, and the guys, you know, they always listen to me. So that's awesome. kudos to those guys. I got to ask you one thing about BG. You said uh, you had got a good relationship with him. Did, mm -hmm. When you finally decided to come here, was he like, thank goodness, we don't have to worry about guarding <laughs> you? Was there anything funny like that? Because he's a funny guy. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. Uh, for sure he says a lot of things like that. Uh, he also said it's going to be the first time he get the coach a player that he looked eye to eye. So. <laughs> See, I didn't want to say that. That's why I asked. Thanks a lot, Tyler. Definitely got some scoring punch. Even though he came off the bench for Memphis last year, he still knocked down more than 53 pointers, one of the best three-point shooters, and steps right into the Bulls lineup. At five foot nine, 150 pounds is not going to stand out physically, but talent-wise, oh yeah. Talked to a couple other transfers, Selton Miguel and Keyshawn Bryant. Those are upcoming, by the way. Today is Selton Miguel's birthday. Tomorrow we're going to give you, for sure, Ariel Wilson, who looks to be the starting point guard for the women's team, and man, is she tremendous to talk to. I learned one thing over the years. Okay, more than one thing, but if you want to get some Somebody to talk, and not that she has any issues talking, but in particular, have them talk about other players on the team and not themselves. Ariel's breakdown is outstanding. That's part of what we'll bring to you on tomorrow's program. It's a tough one right now. We mentioned for volleyball as just a week ago Sunday, they were up 23-18 in the fourth set against Temple. That close to a victory would have been two in a row, but as you know, Temple came back and won that one in five. The Bulls have not won a set since. No shame in being swept by UCF as they were in Orlando on Wednesday, but 
frankly, against a Cincinnati team that has just been okay this season, 6-14 and 14 overall. The Bulls get swept on Sunday. It will not go down as the best two-hour block for USF teams, both in Cincinnati. Of course, we talked about women's soccer earlier as well as volleyball. Final was 25-17, 25-13, 25 For, frankly, such a lopsided score, you would think that the stats would be equally lopsided. Really, the Bulls hit pretty well. 250 was their percentage, which is their best in conference play. They fell to 1-7 in league play. But you look at it, Cincinnati had 37 total kills, 30 for USF. When you play a three-set match and you only have 37 kills, that's a dozen per, you're getting half of your points via other methods. So, was it a lot of blocks? No. Cincinnati just had four total. This match was won, or if you're looking at it from the Bulls' perspective, lost at the service line. Try a plus 23, which is just amazing as far as points for Cincinnati just on serves. A season-high 14 aces for the Bearcats, only one for the Bulls. Service errors, 12 for USF, only two for Cincinnati. So on serves alone, Cincinnati won 26 points and only lost three. And the Bulls go back on the road, believe it or not. They hit up Tulsa and Wichita next weekend. They'll be midway through their conference action with just two home matches. Of course, they were supposed to play Tulsa and Wichita at home, which didn't happen due to Hurricane Ian. We don't know if those matches will be made up, but we do know that when they come home, they'll be home for a bit. Four matches in eight days, three of them at the Yingling Center. That is a couple of weekends off. That's going to wrap up Bulls Beat. Great to be back on the beat on a Monday. I'm Derek Sharp.